what's up, Crypt Nation? Bryce Paul and the Notorious Pizza Mind coming at you per usual from the sunny and 70 San Diego. All right, so if you haven't heard yet, Pete's and I just finished writing a 290-page book called Crypto Revolution, Your Guide to the Future of Money. And we did this so that anyone anywhere in the world can learn about really how cryptocurrency and blockchain technology are putting the power back in the hands of the people. And really, we wrote this to equip the masses with the tools to profit from this revolution. So whether you invest in crypto or something else, the point is that you need to escape inflation, which is a hidden tax on your savings by investing in your future. And we think that crypto is really the hottest market, which has the most upside potential. And we are so confident that Crypto Revolution is the perfect starting point, whether you're the crypto curious or the seasoned investor just looking to learn about the world's newest asset class. All right. The best part is we're giving it away literally for free. Okay? For free. All we ask is you pay for shipping uh, just to help offset the cost of the book. We're literally making zero dollars on this and are just doing it to give back to our amazing community of listeners. All right. So go to CryptoRevolution.com today and get your free copy. All right. What is up, good citizens of Crypt Nation? It is your favorite podcast hosts. I hope Pizza Mind and Bryce were here. Pizza Mind, how you doing, buddy? I've had a lot on my mind recently besides pizza, and a lot of it centers around togetherness and tribalism. Two things that are very, very similar, but opposite ends of the spectrum. Togetherness is very good. Tribalism is very exclusive and kind of negative. So a lot of these times, um, these things happen, disagreements happen in blockchain and forks occur. Um, either there's countless of Bitcoin forks, most of them suck, but we are lucky enough to be graced with the presence of not only uh, a great project that started from or the original Bitcoin chain, but one of the most respected uh, cryptocurrencies and blockchains in the industry. Yes, and we're I here. I want to find out why. Yeah, we're here today with a, a very esteemed developer in the community named Luke Powell, uh, who is developing for Decred. So, Luke, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me here. And I'm actually going to jump in and make one small correction already. So already, Decred is not, Jesus Christ, pizza mind. Uh, I guess Decred is not a fork of the Bitcoin blockchain itself. Um, it is based on uh, a code, the code base that. We'll get into this in a second, but essentially the Decred developers were Bitcoin developers before, and they wrote an entire Bitcoin code base in Golang. And so that is what Decred is based on, but there's no relation between the actual Bitcoin blockchain and the Decred blockchain. I am fired. <laughs> pizza Mind's going to have to look for a new job after this one. I'm going to have a word. Wood-fired Pizza Mind. No, this is, a, this is a very common misconception. Um, and we actually like to try and stay away from the term fork at all because it, it uh, relays this idea and we have to correct it all the time. So you are not the first and you will not be the last person to make that mistake. Don't worry. <laughs> well, hopefully all, all the good citizens here at Crypt Nation uh, now will never refer to it as a fork. Uh, and we'll get into, you know, if this is the first time you guys are hearing about a fork and all that kind of stuff, don't worry. We'll cover all that uh, here shortly. But that actually answers my first question is I wanted to know why if Decred is a fork is so well received and that makes sense. It's not a fork. It's actually rewriting Bitcoin to be better than it ever originally was. Yes, exactly. Um, it, it rewrites everything from scratch um, originally as a new Bitcoin implementation. So uh, in, in uh, cryptocurrencies, 
the original Bitcoin was written in a programming language called C++, right? So you can write the same exact Bitcoin in other programming languages and it runs the same Bitcoin clients that connect to the same Bitcoin blockchain. It's just in a different programming language. So that's what I mean when I say they wrote a different implementation. They wrote a, a, a Bitcoin client, something that connects to the Bitcoin blockchain, just in a programming language called Golang. And then um, going through that process, they really uh, got a first-hand look at some of these governance issues that we'll talk about and funding issues in the Bitcoin ecosystem, and that was the basis for launching Decred. So they took that code that they had already written for Bitcoin, and then they made a bunch of revisions to it and changes and improvements to it and launched Decred based on that code. Interesting. And so I guess my first question, actually two first questions, uh, who were the Bitcoin core contributors that kind of uh, decided to start this? And what was the purpose for it? Like, were they originally just like, oh, we're going to make a new code base for Bitcoin and it's going to be, you know, running the Bitcoin network? Or did they actually were like, hey, we're going to make it a whole new cryptocurrency? Yeah. So, um, and I'm going to, so when you, when you said Bitcoin core contributor, so Bitcoin core is typically referencing that C++ implementation. So what they did is they wrote this brand new implementation from scratch. And the reason they did that, so they wouldn't necessarily be considered uh, Bitcoin core tr contributors, but they were Bitcoin developers, if that makes sense. Um, but the reason that they wrote this other implementation is because uh, this group of developers all originally met in this community uh, for a open source operating system called OpenBSD. So if you're not familiar, OpenBSD is essentially out of all the operating systems out there, it is the most privacy and security focused operating system. It is just very, uh, that, that's kind of its whole thing, right? So they met in this open source community and they actually had trouble running the Bitcoin C++ implementation on OpenBSD. And so they tried to make contributions to fix some of the problems and they ran into a bunch of friction with the, the, the core developers. And so they said, okay, well, you know what? We're just going to, you know, make this alternative implementation that is, uh, can, you know, won't have issues that we're running into with this C++ implementation. Um, and it will, it will ultimately add value to the Bitcoin ecosystem. You know, typically when you have a protocol, you want multiple implementations in different programming languages because it, it adds value, it strengthens the network, right? If there's a bug in one, then people can just switch and run the other one. So ideally you want multiple implementations. And so their whole idea was, okay, well, we can add value to Bitcoin by creating this different implementation. Um, and, you know, we'll, it will be a, it will be great to do. And so they, they paid for that completely out of pocket themselves. Um, and they, during that process, they just kind of realized uh, these governance issues in Bitcoin. And when I say governance issues, so there's this concept of who gets to decide what changes get added to Bitcoin, right? Bitcoin is uh, a decentralized project, so you're not supposed to have any type of centralized entity dictating, you know, what is Bitcoin, what is allowed to be changed, what's not allowed to be changed. And there is a very large conflict in the Bitcoin community called the block size debate, and it, that spanned over a three-year period that essentially was all about this, this idea of who gets to make changes in Bitcoin. And what end, ultimately ended up happening was they decided that, well, nobody gets to make changes because if there is 
a team or a group of people somewhere dictating what changes are valid and which ones are not, well, that is a point of centralization that can essentially be co-opted and be used to hurt Bitcoin. And so Bitcoin has adopted this position of what they call no hard forks, which just means that they don't make any changes that are not backwards compatible. So any changes that get made have to be essentially optional. Like the people running Bitcoin can choose to upgrade their software or they don't have to. They can keep running the same version of the software that they've been running for years um, and it will still work with all of the the, the new changes that are being made because they're not breaking changes. They're all the changes are backwards compatible. But with this new philosophy comes a lot of restrictions in basically Bitcoin's ability to adapt and evolve over time because you can't make any breaking changes. And so this is one of the core concepts that Decred set out to solve was how can a decentralized project make decisions in a decentralized manner? Um, and we can get into uh, you know exactly how we do that with our hybrid proof of work, proof of stake consensus mechanism. That that was the the basis for Decred. Um, yeah, very very well said. Um, let's jump right into that hybrid consensus mechanism. Please explain what a consensus mechanism is and how this one is kind of unique. Sure. So consensus mechanism is basically uh, it. It's a way to decide who gets to add transactions onto the blockchain, right? So if you think of the blockchain as just basically this big public Excel spreadsheet that anybody can download, it's who gets to add, uh, you know, entries into that Excel spreadsheet. And in Bitcoin, Bitcoin uses um, something called proof of work, meaning that you have to solve a computational puzzle um, and you're competing against other people solving these computational puzzles. And the first one that solves it gets to add transactions, uh, aka a block onto the blockchain and they get a reward for doing that. So uh, can, like a consensus mechanism is just a way for this global group of people who don't know each other, don't know anything about each other to figure out who gets to add those transactions to the blockchain. Now with Decred, we have a hybrid proof of work, proof of state consensus mechanism, which means that we still rely on proof of work just like Bitcoin does because proof of work, um, so far it has been the consensus mechanism that has been proven to work, right? Um, it has as far as like security goes, um, and it's uh, the cost to attack the network, right? Proof of work is very highly regarded. And so we still rely on proof of work for the underlying security, but we add a proof of stake layer, which essentially just means that people who actually own Decred, who own coins, uh, they, it's called staking your Decred, where you lock your Decred up, and then you are validating those proof of work blocks. So when I, what that means is a proof of work miner will mine a block, say, hey, I've solved this puzzle. I want to add these transactions onto the blockchain. And then they have to get uh, basically permission from the proof of stake side, the, the, the Decred stakeholders, people who own Decred, own the coins, and say, is this block valid? Does it meet all of the, the requirements and rules? And if it does, they say, yes, this can be added on, um, and the block gets added on, right? So during that process, what that means is that we can also have the stakeholders vote on things. So in Decred, if there is a hard fork change, a non-backwards compatible network upgrade, it has to be voted on and approved by the Decred stakeholders, right? The people who own Decred are locking it up and have skin in the game, right? Because ultimately, right, our belief is that the people who own the currency and are the stakeholders, they're the ones who are taking the risk. They're the ones that are subjected to the market volatility, the price action results from the decisions being made about the project. So they are the ones that should be making the decisions about the risk. Um, and so uh, Decred is all about giving the stakeholders control over the entire project. 
So it almost sounds like uh, how the United States government has multiple houses to make sure that no bill gets passed that, uh, you know, would ultimately hurt the country. So you could have like proof of work being the Senate and the staking being uh, Congress, right? Uh, yeah, you could think of it like uh, an analogy I like to use is basically like multi-factor authentication. That's basically what you're adding onto uh, this consensus mechanism. And what's interesting is that with this hybrid model, this hybrid proof of work, proof of stake model, it's actually much more expensive to uh, attack the network with what's called a 51% attack, which is kind of one of the, you know, the main things people worry about in Bitcoin. So a uh, 51% attack is where 51% of the miners, so you have this global group of miners all solving this computational puzzle, right? And if 51% of them are colluding, they can essentially change the ledger to whatever they want, even if it doesn't meet uh, you know, the, the, the rules that are agreed upon, right? They can go back and they can uh, change transactions that have already been mined. Um, and so it's, it's an attack on the network that is one of the main kind of sources of worry from uh, you know, the Bitcoin community or other cryptocurrencies that are pure proof of work. So with Decred, with this multi kind of factor authentication, right? it actually, if you, if you do an apples to apple comparison on a per market cap basis, if you have two cryptocurrencies that are the same market cap, one pure proof of work, one hybrid proof of work, proof of stake, it is roughly 20x more expensive to 51% attack a hybrid proof of work, proof of stake cryptocurrency. And so what that means is that Decred just has to get to roughly 5% of Bitcoin's um, market cap in order to be just as expensive or more expensive to attack, which when you're talking about a global store value, which Decred aims to be, this is a, this is a, a huge deal, right? Security of the network, cost to attack the network is one of the main uh, kind of metrics people look at when kind of considering you know what cryptocurrencies would make a good store of value because ideally a good store of values can be extremely resilient to attacks like this that's that's super fascinating so I, i'm kind of curious what's an example of something that would be a hard fork versus something that would be like a soft fork or something that's backwards compatible sure so a hard fork would be basically any changes to consensus any changes to that rule set that uh that all the nodes are running right where they say a transaction, it has to adhere to these rules in order to be considered valid. If you change any of those, right, then that is not a backwards compatible change, right? Every node will have to upgrade and say, oh, these are the new agreed upon rules. And if you have nodes that don't upgrade that are running different rules, they're going to accept different transactions. That's why it's not, it's not backwards compatible. Whereas a soft fork is, uh, it's something that is backwards compatible. So um, it could be improvements to, you know, different parts of the protocol that necessarily don't change the actual, that actual rule set that, that allow the nodes to come to consensus. Oh, okay. Interesting. So, so you were mentioning that you um, that the goal of Decred um, is to become a store of value. Um, so we, we hear that, that proposition from like currencies, maybe like Zcash and Monero and uh, Bitcoin, obviously. And so Decred, we could throw it into that mix, right? As, as it like kind of compared to like a smart contract platform like Komodo or Ethereum? Yeah, exactly. So you do have this kind of like bifurcation of the cryptocurrency ecosystem into store value cryptocurrencies and smart contract platforms where smart contract platforms are trying to uh, um, kind of attract 
you know, development teams and people are building applications on top of them. Whereas store value uh, cryptocurrencies are mainly focused on optimizing those store value characteristics, right? The, the censorship resistance, the permissionless, the security, the network. Um, and it's not necessarily about trying to attract developers to get, get them to build on top of Decred. It's about making Decred the hardest form of money possible. And how do you guys feel that you guys are doing that? Is it successful so far? You feel like you got a lot of adoption? Yes. So when you say adoption, there's all different kinds of meaning of what uh, adoption is in the cryptocurrency ecosystem. So for a store of value candidate, right, Decred is about three and a half years old right now. And what adoption means, it's going to be basically investors using Decred as a speculative asset, right? Because it's so early in its life cycle, you know, it's very similar to Bitcoin being three and a half years old that it's it's really not going to be fulfilling that store value use case until a later date. But because of the way it differentiates itself from Bitcoin, it attracts a lot of speculative interest of potentially becoming a global store of value one day. And we're still really in the infrastructure phase of cryptocurrencies, right? Like they're not quite ready for consumer adoption. You're not, they're not quite ready for, you know, being used as a payment rails for everyday payments. They will be at some point, but the technology, it just takes time to build out and, and to get to that point. And so we're still in the infrastructure phase where we're building out the infrastructure to make these use cases possible. eToro is one of the largest trading platforms in the world with over $1 trillion in trading volume on the platform every year. And they're some of our good friends, and they're a great sponsor. U.S. customers can trade the most popular crypto assets, and your fees are extremely transparent. So if you're not ready to trade yet, uh, you could also practice building your portfolio with the eToro virtual trading feature. They give you $100,000 of virtual money, and you could start playing around with it and not have to risk any of your real money before you get comfortable with the markets. And best of all, you can connect with 12 million other eToro traders around the world, kind of like a social network for trading, to discuss charts and all things crypto. So go ahead, create an account today at eToro.com slash crypto 101. That helps us, that helps you, that helps them, and makes everything possible here if you guys use that link. So guys, start building your portfolio the smart way eToro is crypto trading made easy. All right, back to the show. Could you explain to us, uh, you said the uh, properties of a global store of value. Could you, could you break that down a little bit more for us? Sure. So, I mean, if you look at why Bitcoin was created, really, it, it was created to be able to circumvent centralized actors with the largest centralized actors being governments, right? When governments right now have the control, the ability to print their own money, uh, which we refer to as fiat money, you know, it always ends up in disaster, essentially. Um, the government's devaluing their money or getting into hyperinflationary environments or, or just, you know, inflating it into oblivion over time. Um, and if you look through like throughout history, anytime governments, you know, take control of their money, this ultimately ends up happening when it's not actually backed by anything. And so cryptocurrencies are the whole concept is to be able to take money out of the hands of government. Um, and so that they cannot arbitrarily seize it. They cannot inflate it. Um, they cannot do the things that governments typically tend to do. And the best way to think about this is if you're living in some type of authoritarian regime, you know, if you're in Venezuela right now, or if you're in, you know, maybe Hong Kong, or if you're in Nazi Germany, right, 
you need an asset that allows you to store your wealth that can't be seized by the government um, and it, it can't be inflated away by the government, right? And so this is where the concept of censorship resistance and permissionless come in. So Bitcoin was designed to be censorship resistant, meaning it was designed to be able to withstand basically attacks from the government. If you you can store Bitcoin using just a password in your head and nobody can seize that Bitcoin from you. No, no centralized entity, no government can take that Bitcoin from you without you giving up that password in your head, right? So you can walk across borders with your, your entire wealth stored using just a password in your head. Um, it, it's also, it cannot be, you know, more Bitcoin or more Decred cannot be created because the government says so, right? It is a fixed supply um, asset. And so when people say censorship resistance, that's, that's what they mean. And then there's also this concept of being permissionless. Um, and permissionless just means that I can send Decred or I can send Bitcoin to anyone anywhere in the world without having to ask permission from somebody, right? If you wanted to send fiat currency, that'd be very difficult um, because you have to go through the banking system and you have to go through, uh, you know, regulators and things like that. So those two, those two properties, uh, permissionless and censorship resistant, are really kind of the basis for a, a store of value cryptocurrency and what gives them value. Um, and you, we can talk about like how cryptocurrencies actually accomplish that, but that's the main idea behind them and why they exist. No, that's a perfect explanation. Um, it's one that we don't really uh, harp on too much here at Crypto 101. So I'm glad that you came and gave us such a robust definition for that. And, you know, la just real quick, I want to know is Decred uh, quicker than Bitcoin? Not in any meaningful sense. Uh, Bitcoin's block times are ten minutes. Ours are five minutes, but it's not. You know, you're not orders of magnitude. Yeah. Okay. There's like a little variance. We're, we're, yeah, we're relying on the same scaling solutions that Bitcoin are, which is something called the Lightning Network. Um, and yeah, we're building out our own version of the Lightning Network. And and so one thing that you have to kind of realize about Decred is. On all of the major technical issues, we agree with Bitcoin, and we typically take the same path as Bitcoin. The one thing we don't agree on is the issue of governance, who should be making decisions, right? Bitcoin was designed to essentially uh, what they call calcify over time, meaning the protocol stays the same, and the longer Bitcoin exists, the harder it is to change, whereas Decred was designed to be able to adapt and evolve over time so that it can, it can change as technology changes and it, it can incorporate changes I mean, and evolve over time. That's really fascinating. And that leads me to the next thing that I was wondering. Uh, how do things get done in the Decred community as far as changes? Is there an elected board of directors that still provides some kind of oversight or direction? Or is there just some kind of equal opportunity government structure? Like, what does it really look like? Sure. So, and this is something that I haven't touched upon yet, but the, the second thing. Hey guys, TiVo here to tell you about the UFI Video Lock, a smart lock a 2K camera, and a doorbell all in one. That's right, three in one for triple the security. It's easy to install. All you need is a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. It gives you keyless entry, so no more fumbling your keys when you have your hands full coming back from the grocery store. No more worry about the kids losing a house key. No more worry about a guest losing the house key or forgetting the passcode on your door. 
And for Airbnbers, it's a no-brainer as you can change the passcode at will between renters. It has available fingerprint recognition and it has AI self-learning chips. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You will have no anxiety with the battery charging. It is a rechargeable battery and it lasts around four months, but don't worry when it's low, it'll give you plenty of weeks notice. And also it always comes with a physical key as a backup. There's no monthly fee, unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee to get your backup recordings. They're always recorded locally and you will always have access. Customer support for the Eufy video lock is 24 seven. So you don't have to worry about any issues you have and it comes with an 18 month warranty. What I love about this product is it is truly all-in-one with the three-in-one. You don't have to go out and buy multiple parts. It's all in this package with the Eufy Video Lock. So if you're interested in learning more, go on Amazon and search Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock. Again, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock. Get complete control over your front door. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. cred set out to solve was this issue of funding, right? Because anytime you're talking about changes, you have to talk about who's paying for those changes. Um, And in Bitcoin, you know, you have different sources of funding. There are companies that have raised uh, venture capital money, um, which could create potential issues down the road because uh, the the interest of the VCs doesn't necessarily align with the interest of the the actual coin holders. Um, There's the community donation model where you essentially rely on just community donations to fund development. This is, you know, cryptocurrencies like Monero and and Litecoin and and Bitcoin to some extent and rely on this type of model. Um, And so both of these models are are subpar, um, not optimal because they either have misaligned interest or with community donations, it's just not a reliable source of funding long term. And so the way Decred works is 10% of our block reward gets set off into a development fund. So the block reward is uh, every new block that gets mined, right? New cryptocurrency, no new decrypt or new Bitcoin gets created to pay those miners, right? That's how you pay for the security of the network. So that that's called the block reward. And 10% of that in decred gets set off to the side into what we call the network treasury. And so that pays for all the development of decred and the future development of decred. So it's this. It's a sustainable funding source um, that aligns interest w- with the Decred stakeholders, right? Because uh, you're not, you don't have any, you know, external kind of like conflicts of interest with having to provide a return on investment or things like that. Um, and the way that that network treasury is managed, again, is actually by the Decred stakeholders. So we have what we call politeia, um, and this is 
this is what I work on. This is what I build out as a developer. And this is how we make decisions as a community for what to fund, um, what teams to fund, what roadmaps to fund. So Politea is a website. It is, uh, you, you can go to it at proposals.decred.org and is what we call a, it, an off-chain governance platform because all of the data is stored on chain, off-chain, not actually on the Decred blockchain, right? You don't want to, you only want to store the data on the blockchain that is absolutely necessary um, because of scaling issues and leading to blockchain bloat and eventually leading to centralization. So all this data is stored off-chain and timestamped onto the Decred blockchain. But the way it works is if you're a development team or a marketing team or anybody else that wants to provide value to Decred, you will write up a proposal. You know, I want to do this work. Um, this is my team. These are the milestones, and this is going to be the cost, right? And then the Decred stakeholders actually vote using their cryptographic keys, right? The people who own the Decred are using those same keys that they would use to spend Decred actually vote on which proposals to fund and which teams to fund. And then those teams get paid out of the network treasury. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And I'm also kind of curious is, you know, you talked about the block reward kind of a lot in that section. And I'm curious to know if the block reward and the inflation schedule is the same as Bitcoin, or did you guys make some parameter changes here? So we, in Bitcoin, they have what's called the halvening every four years where the inflation rate gets cut in half every four years. So we took the same overall inflation rate, but we just smoothed it out so that instead of it getting cut in half every four years, which is very jarring for the market, it gets reduced on a month by month basis by a very small amount. But the total supply of Decred is 21 million, just like Bitcoin. And the overall inflation rate follows the same curve, just on a smoothed out version of it. That's pretty cool. Definitely. Uh, was one of the things that I always wonder about, and we've been talking to people a lot lately, is how do you see the future of crypto, especially in regards to interoperability between blockchains? So much of what we hear right now uh, that I think is going to be a big buzzword for the year 2020 is interoperability. How does Decred fit into that? Sure. So... Decred, or the way that I kind of view the cryptocurrency ecosystem, and I'm mainly talking about the store value use case. Um, store value and smart contract, like we, we talked about, smart contract platforms are really two very separate ecosystems. Um, and I mainly keep up with the store value ecosystem. As, the, Vlad, the smart contract as Vlad Zanfamir would always say, uh, ETH, Ethereum is not money. But you're saying Decred yes, is money. Exactly. <laughs> Yes. So I keep up with the money use case. And the way I see the money use case evolving is that you will have a small handful of the highest quality projects that essentially become these store value candidates. And you will probably have a power law distribution in them, but you will not have a winner take all simply because these protocols are built by, by humans, which means that there's potential for human errors. There's bugs in the code. And so you have to hedge that risk. You're not going to have people, investors putting, you know, going hundred percent into Bitcoin. So you're going to have this basket of, of store value cryptocurrencies. And I view Decred as the, the number one hedge right now to Bitcoin. Um, and as far as interoperability goes, I think that you will have interoperability between this basket of store value cryptocurrencies and the method of interoperability is going to be, um, well, they're, they're, there's basically two, two ways, right? You can have on chain, which means like actually transactions on the Decred and Bitcoin blockchain and using what's called cross chain atomic swaps, where basically through um, uh, smart contracts. And I know that I said that Decred is not a smart contract platform, but um, so, okay. 
side tangent real quick. The, the term smart contract kind of got co-opted by Ethereum um, back when Ethereum launched. Bitcoin and Decred have the ability to run smart contracts. A, a normal Decred transaction, a normal Bitcoin transaction is actually a smart contract. They just have very narrow defined smart contracts, whereas a smart contract platform is uh, what has what's called a Turing complete smart contract language where a developer can go and write a smart, they can go create their own smart contracts and you know, their, their imagination is basically their only barrier. Whereas with Bitcoin and Decred, they have smart contracts. They're just very narrowly defined at what you can do. Um, you can't just come in and, you know, write your own. So, a cross-chain atomic swap is a smart, is a type of smart contract that allows you to swap uh, cryptocurrency between two chains that just have uh, there are some like cryptographic primitives as prerequisites, but most these most of these store value candidates will have them. Like for example, Decred and Bitcoin both have them, and it's possible. But it allows you to swap cryptocurrency between Decred and Bitcoin um, in an atomic manner, which just means that uh, it it. They both happen, the swap happens at the same time. I take custody of the other person's coins. They take custody of my coins at the same time. Um, so there's, so there's like, it's like an exchange, for like a peer-to-peer -peer exchange, but without having to go to an exchange, right? Exactly. Uh, 100%, that's what it is. It's just a peer-to-peer -peer exchange between two blockchains. But the thing that always kind of trips me up Using here, the smart contracts on those blockchains. Okay, the thing that trips me up here is like, because none of the coins are actually removed from circulating supply. Is it just that you could have a cryptographic proof that this, say I, I put one Bitcoin into a atomic swap contract, and then on the other side, I take control of, you know, 10 Decred or whatever, 100 Decred on the other side? Like, how does that work? Yeah, it, the, the coins don't actually... Uh, the custody just changes, right? Like the coins aren't moving out of circulation or between blockchains. So the way it works is, okay, let's say I'm, I have Decred and you have Bitcoin and we're doing a cross-chain atomic swap. I'll lock my Decred up, you lock your Bitcoin up, and I give you the ability to claim that Decred on the Decred chain. And as soon as you claim that Decred on the Decred chain, it reveals a secret that gives me the ability to claim your Bitcoin on the Bitcoin chain. And so um, it's just a way to basically swap custody in a trustless manner, oh. in a peer-to-peer -peer trustless manner. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. It's like uh, like an escrow or something. Yeah, yeah, you can think of it like an escrow. And as soon as one person claims their escrow, it gives the other person the ability to claim theirs. Or if neither if neither person claims, uh, it expires after a certain set time period. Very badass. Let me think about this real quick. So you've been in crypto for how long? Um, I joined Decred in mid-2017. I've been in crypto since early 2016. Okay, cool. Um, so it's been three years since the actual project of Decred was born, but how do you feel that the market or the landscape has changed today, you know, November, December, uh, 2019, all the way compared back to, you know, early 2016, 2015 when Decred was made. Right. So, I mean, really one of the biggest trends that you've seen cha that changed kind of the landscape is the rise of these smart contract platforms and what's called like the DeFi movement, the decentralized finance. Uh. Whereas within the actual store of value cryptocurrencies, um, you know, the technology has continued to evolve, but basically everything that's being built out today, people were talking about back then. So like people knew about it, it just now it just takes a couple, it just takes years to actually build this technology out. Things like Lightning Network, which is, which is how you'll be able to use Bitcoin and Decred in an instantaneous manner using it 
like you would a credit card for payments and things like that. So whereas like back then people were talking about these ideas and formulating them, now they're actually being built out and being brought to market. Um, and then you had the rise of these smart contract DeFi platforms um, that has led to um, just kind of like this whole industry on, on its own, but very much kind of separate from the store value cryptocurrencies. Off the top of your head, can you mention some of the proposals that Decred has adopted from the beginning and how it's kind of reshaped uh, the direction of where Decred's going? Like what is a, a successful proposal really look like? Sure. Uh, so I guess the whole reason I'm on, I'm on this podcast is because one of the proposals. So, um, you know, one of the first major votes was do, does Decred want to hire a, a PR firm? You know, Decred, uh, we are essentially a hardcore engineering outfit where we've been very strong on the technical side. And one of the big challenges that we've had is just getting the word out about Decred and getting the message out. And so um, Politea launched you know, a little over a year ago. One of the first things that the stakeholders voted on was, do we want to hire a PR firm? And if so, which one? And the, the firm we went with was a firm called Ditto. Um, and they're actually the ones who set this interview up and the reason I'm on here talking to you. Um, so, you know, that's one example. And then another example, more recent example from the development side is, um, funding uh, a DEX, a decentralized exchange. So, right. We talked about the network treasury and like in Decred, um, if you are performing work for the network, right, there is no, you know, entity that employs people like everybody that does work for Decred is considered a contractor and they get paid in Decred on a monthly basis out of that network treasury. Right. And so one of the challenges with that is that we have to essentially rely on these centralized exchanges for liquidity for, um, you know, people who own Decred, which is a, a lot of those people are contractors who need to sell that Decred to pay their bills. And we went through some, you know, scenarios last year where we had, uh, you know, these platforms delisting us just for whatever reasons. Um, and it really made us realize like, hey, we need an alternative method that doesn't rely on these centralized entities um, you know, in order to provide liquidity for Decred holders. And so we, uh, a development proposal that was put together by, you know, people who, developers who had built out other parts of the project, um, you know, they got a team together and put together this proposal for building out uh, a DEX, a decentralized exchange that is based on that, that cross-chain atomic swap technology. So that was funded and it's currently being built out that, uh, right now so that in the future, you know, you'll be able to swap so we talked about how, you know, atomic swaps are basically just peer to peer transactions. Well, a DEX built on atomic swap technology is essentially a order book aggregator for atomic swap transactions, right? So there's no middleman, there's no transaction fees because you're just transacting uh, with your counterparty directly. Um, and so the, the way it would work is that in the future, if I wanted to sell Decred to, to Bitcoin, right, I could go onto this DEX, sell, uh, you know, sell into Bitcoin using a cross-chain atomic swap in a peer-to-peer -peer fashion. Um, and then with Bitcoin, right, there's much more liquidity options available for the contractors and things like that. But also like a true DEX is just technology that should exist that would benefit the whole ecosystem, but there's no real business model around it when you eliminate the transaction fees. And in open source technology, right, uh, a DEX is going to have to be open source um, for people to trust it. And with open source technology, if somebody tried to put in a transaction fee, well, you could just fork the code and strip it out, right? And so because no business model has existed up until this point, like nobody has really built out a true DEX in what we define as a true DEX. And so 
our funding model, you know, not only allows us to build out, you know, the Decred protocol, but also technology that open source technology that benefits Decred, but as well as the rest of the ecosystem, um, which is a very cool aspect and very unique to Decred. What was one of the most contentious proposals that had like, you know, 51-49 split or something that stirred up a lot of controversy and either ended up getting passed or didn't get passed? Yeah, it was it was the marketing proposal, the, the PR proposal. Um, people, <laughs> Ditto. Yeah, people were just, uh, like I said, Decred has a very like strong technical background and, you know, bringing on a PR firm is just, it, it turned out to be a very contentious issue. Like, do we want to spend money on marketing and PR? Um, and it was one of the most contentious proposals we've had so far. But I mean, it, it seems funny that that would be contentious because of like, I mean, I guess the block rewards, everybody's like, oh, well, we'd rather the money go to, um, you know, development or whatever. But on the other hand, I mean, without PR and without like branding and stuff for, your new form of money. Nobody's going to hear about it. Nobody's going to use it. Um, and the value is just going to continue to go down, I guess. So I would yeah, have been voting. I mean, very technical people tend to not understand like the marketing realm very well, including myself. So there's just uh, <laughs> things you don't understand. You might not necessarily trust. I always say a really good example for how important marketing is, is the Aon project. For the two people listening that might remember that, it's a fork of Monero that was uh, made for really lightweight mining rigs. And it's a, it's a great community, great developers, hardly anyone's ever heard of it. And they really just exist inside their own little microcosm, which is too bad. Um, and there's the belief uh, among technical pe people like myself that, you know, if you build this really badass thing, people are just going to come to it automatically. No, that's not how it works. It's a great big wide world and there's lots of big bright distractions. You have to go out there and really compete for that attention in other ways as well. So I'm really glad that Decred did vote to get the word out and start marketing itself because it really does deserve to be found by more people. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Um, and at the end of the day, right, it, it's the people with the largest amount of Decred have the largest incentive to, you know, make the right choice for the long-term interest of Decred. So it's all about aligning those incentives um, and allowing like people with skin in the game to actually make the decisions. Big time, big time. So, so tell us a little bit about, you know, uh, you know, stepping outside of just crypto and blockchain, what are some other technical uh, innovations that you follow that you think are going to integrate with blockchain in the future, whether it's, you know, biometrics or AI or, or what, what are you looking at? Yeah, so I actually think the most important area here is probably one that's not talked about, but open source hardware. Um, you know, cryptocurrencies are only secure, as secure as the hardware they're running on. And right now, the hardware landscape is just, you know, a dumpster fire. So um, we're seeing projects like there's one called uh, Risk Five that's making a lot of like great like strides in this area. But um, as cryptocurrencies evolve, I think there's going to be a lot more funding for this type of stuff because of their, the, the fact that it's so essential to cryptocurrencies long term. I heard of something the other day called mill computing, which is like a brand new CPU architecture. Have you ever heard of that? Um, I haven't. I'm not too deep in the space though, but there are some uh, some guys in Decred that you know keep up with all of it on a daily basis. Well, cool. I get my info from them. I, mostly. I won't ruin the surprise. <laughs> you guys can all look it up yourselves. And it, it's quite a debate within uh, my own circle uh, if something like that can really take off, or if the 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 power factor in the market is just really not open to innovation. But that's neither here nor yeah, there. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. 
So, so Luke, while we have you, before we let you go, there's a couple questions we like to generally ask everybody that comes on the podcast. Shows a little bit about yourself and a little color. So, of all the people that you've met and interacted in the in the crypto space, who was some person that really made an impact on you? And could you tell us about that experience? Um, yeah, sure. So, you know, when I first got into cryptocurrencies, um, I was out living out in San Francisco. And actually, the the person who really you know got me going down the rabbit hole was um, a guy named Balaji Srinivasan. Um, you may be familiar with him. He's been in the space for a while, but he the former he was, uh, CTO of Coinbase. Yes, the former CTO of Coinbase. But he was a uh, you know would talk about the book, the Sovereign Individual. Basically, every speaking event he went to, um, and reading that book is really what got me thinking and really going down the Bitcoin rabbit hole and uh, kind of thinking about you know the power of encryption and the censorship resistant digital money and you know the the ramifications that it will have long term. Um, so yeah, uh, I would say that uh, you know he he is responsible for a lot of like the you know early days of getting me interested in crypto. So I have a lot of respect for him. That's amazing. And, you know, besides Decred, what's your other favorite cryptocurrency or crypto asset or smart contract platform? Something that is really impressing you right now. So I think a lot of the innovation going on in, in Bitcoin, um, even though it, it doesn't have the ability to change, there's still a lot of, cool improvements that they're making um and a lot of things that uh like decred will actually be incorporating as well um but also i'm really excited about uh the lightning network kind of coming online very shortly and and decred's version of the lightning network coming online very shortly um and the actual interoperability possibilities between those so um two follow-up two follow-up questions right there is a what are the technological innovations that Bitcoin core developers are working on right now that like excite you? And then, and that you guys might be able to wrap into a uh, decred and then will the decred lightning network and the Bitcoin lightning network be able to interoperate? So, um, yes, uh, the decred lightning network is on testnet right now. It's in the process of becoming on, uh, being built for or launching on mainnet, but those actually, uh, we kind of, a uh, when we talk, we're talking about interoperability, I said there's two ways and we never got to the second way, but the second way is uh, lightning network to lightning network interoperability. The first way is on-chain atomic swaps. And the second way is essentially uh, lightning network atomic swaps. Um, and then uh, as far as like the Bitcoin innovation goes, um, there's a bunch of stuff that I'm interested in. Um, you know, we're, we're adopting things like snore signatures um, and kind of like some of the some of the use cases for those. Um, but yeah, it, the, the Bitcoin developers, they really are a top notch. Um, it's just Bitcoin as a system is very constrained about what it can implement. And so over time, I think what you'll see is that Decred will actually be able to um, kind of be superior technologically in a lot of ways just because it has the ability to make hard forks and, and adapt and evolve over time. Thank you so much for explaining that because that's something I've always wondered about and I'm sure many of our listeners did as well. Just the difference in philosophies, it, it makes things so much more clear why Bitcoin is the way it is. Lastly, this is the question we ask everyone who comes on the show because we always get a unique answer every single time. So 
if this is the first podcast someone getting into the space heard, what would you want them to know about getting into crypto? Um, it's not go on Twitter. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. That's actually great uh, advice. But the tribalism, I think, <laughs> the tribalism though is is something that I think is a huge problem, especially for newcomers. So I would say just ignore it. Um, come into it with an open mind and think for yourself. Like every every project is going to kind of have like dogma associated with it, um, and just you know think for yourself. Love it. That's a really really great uh, word of advice here for all these good folks that are tuning into Crypto 101. Um, So Luke, thank you so much for spending uh, the afternoon with us. And we're really excited to keep tabs on all the exciting developments coming out of Decred. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Happy to come on anytime. Absolutely. Take it easy, everybody. We'll see you soon. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.